Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Episode number 87, and also welcome to 2022. Happy Another New Year. year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. Another year of the podcast. Yeah. How long have we been doing the podcast for? How, what year are we in? Do you want to guess? Question. Do you want to guess on that? Or I do. do to... oh, no, I want to guess. I like guessing. Let me think. God, I don't even remember when we stopped doing the radio show. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess, what year are we in doing the podcast? Five? Four or five? Yep. We're in our fifth year of doing the podcast. Wow. God. So, time yeah. goes fast. It sure and does. And this is also my birthday podcast, my big That's birthday. Well, shout That's out to my right. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I forgot to wish your wife a happy birthday. Couple days oh, ago. Long. All right. Yeah, I know that one. But, mine, yeah. but yours is the big one. Mine is the big one. January seventeenth. You might be listening to this. It's already happened, but that's uh, that probably will be the case. Sixty. Yeah. Wow. I am joining you, listeners, in our. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say old. I'm trying to think of a word for old, but come on. <laughs> Mature. I don't right. Know. What? Yeah. Veteran <laughs> status. Veteran, <laughs> finely aged. I don't know. Um, and I will say that still playing basketball at a high level, still playing. I mean, not right now with thanks, Omicron. Thanks for throwing but, in the at a high level part. I appreciate that. That was nice yeah. of you. And and still playing pickleball at a, a very high level. I actually do play that at a high level in the singles category. You know I have an ego about that. But anyway. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's uh, mostly deserved there. So, all right. Well, no, I, hey, and we're all, all of us listening to this who are in, you know, if you're healthy, it's a good thing. All that matters. Oh. I don't think the age thing matters as much anymore, but the healthy thing matters. And we're all going to work through this uh I think the age thing, thing. The age thing still matters, but. I get what it you're saying, does, but it's not but the be-all you know and all, right? You'll see when you're this age, it's like just not having a major problem, you know, is great. And if you do have a major problem, you got to deal with it anyway. Yeah. But uh, And then uh, let's get through this Omicron thing, which I think we'll all get through. Maybe even when you're listening to this, it's a little better than it is now. But who? we don't even know what it is. This is just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm hoping that this is the beginning of the endemic stage 
mean, we can just get back to not even worrying about that in 2022. That is my hope, not a resolution, but a hope. Man, that would be that would be nice if we're talking here one year from now and we can be looking at this pandemic in the rearview mirror and saying, okay, it's for the most part not affecting our lives like it is right now. But all right, enough of that wishful thinking stuff. Uh, I guess this could be wishful thinking, but we'll take it in a different direction. <laughs> now let's talk about money. Yeah. Also the wishful thinking. So let's go through a, a quick review of the stock market in 2021 and talk about why 2021 might have been one of the best stock market years ever. And I say that not necessarily saying that the returns were the best ever, but if we look at a whole wide variety of metrics here and we talk about volatility and the maximum drawdown and all of that, I think this 2021 actually ranks up there as a pretty darn good year, one of the best ones. So big picture, when we talk about the stock market, we're talking usually about the S&P 500, which is large cap publicly traded stocks. Last year, if you included dividend returns, you were up. 28.7%. Just Great a year. phenomenal year, especially considering, as we do in a lot of our meetings, we take a look at how low things dropped when COVID first hit, how much everything recovered. We had a pretty nice year in 2020. 2020, don't quote me on the exact number, but I think the stock market was up 18%. And then coming back in 2021, up 28%. It's crazy. Just crazy. You and know what, though? It still boils back down to, <laughs> I heard, no matter how many times we say it, I had to say it to myself a few times at that real low, right? When the, when the pandemic hit and life changed so abruptly, we're more used to it now, but it was awfully <laughs> abrupt then. Sure. And to say to yourself, one thing and one thing only. Not going to panic. Don't sell low. Yep. And believe me, that it, it seems and so it, easy it, and obvious now. That's not an easy thing to do. No. No. Remember it, what? It, hindsight, that's BS, man. To say, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's, you know, I knew this. And then, ah, I don't care. Come on. If you're an intelligent person and your brain is working properly and you see things plummet like that, and you and life has changed and altered, and an intelligent person would say, I don't see this getting better for a while, and see everything plummeting to still stick with the mantra, you know, the other part of your brain. It, 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 it makes sense. It works. It's history. And the bottom line is it paid huge, literally and figuratively, huge dividends to you if you were able to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, and and that was that was something where you could clearly say you know, this has never happened before. It's been a hundred years since this has happened. This is something unique and different. And you know, there's a lot of expressions that that go with the stock market, but you know, one of the ones uh, by Sir John Templeton, one of his famous famous quotes is, um, "The most dangerous words in investing are this time is different." Because you can always say that. You can say, this time is different. This has never happened before. And that will be true. And as I've said before, 
much less quoted than Sir John Templeton. But as I've said before, you know, Wall Street and society and government in general will come up with new ways to create panic and big downturns and big stock market declines, you know, inadvertently, intentionally. However, they will come up with new ways to do that. And it will be brand new. But if we believe in this overall concept of capitalism and long-term thinking, uh, we need to, to stick with that. Okay, so why am I saying that 2021 was one of the best years ever for the stock market? First of all, you've got a pretty nice return, but there have been better returns. We've certainly seen things in the you know, up in 50%. We've seen you know 30 plus percent returns. Um, but why this one was unique was you had 70 new all-time highs, so 70 days where the stock market hit a new high during the year, and you had the worst top to bottom, or as they call it, peak to trough. So obviously throughout any stock market year, there are little pullbacks here and there. And on average, you've got a pullback within the year of 10%, sometimes even more than that. But the worst pullback that we saw was 5.2%. So just a really nice year for stock investors there. Yeah, and we if, never really did have that once a year or twice a year plummet. No, that that just didn't happen for whatever reason. And if we take the longer-term perspective on this, I wanted to pull up these long-term numbers here because I don't think most of us appreciate, and I, I say most of us throwing us, Dave and I, into this category because – as you go about your day-to-day -day living and investing and whatnot, it's easy to lose track of this. But I don't think most of us appreciate what a phenomenal run stocks have been on over the last decade. And I'll be even more specific, large-cap stocks in particular. You know, large-cap stocks over the last 10 years have averaged 16.4% per year. Small-cap, 14.4%, mid-cap, you know, just about 14. So it, it's just, and to put that in some context there, the long-term average for stocks is somewhere in that nine and a half to 10% range. So the fact that stocks are, are getting 6% more than that, more than 6% more, that's phenomenal. But the flip side of this, and Dave, I can't even remember if you mentioned this on the air or you mentioned this right before we went on the air, is the flip side of this is maybe stocks aren't always going to perform that well. That was before we went on the air. Okay. Maybe we'll actually have a year or two where stocks are down. I don't know if we all remember this, but it actually can happen. I even say two. I was seeing if people could be prepared for one. Right. I mean, when um, we talk about that COVID decline, and, you know, I call it COVID decline in, in February, March of 2020, stocks were down basically 34% in one month. And that hurts, that's painful, but stocks had recovered within six months. You know, that's something we don't expect. When you see a decline of that magnitude, you're expecting two or three years to recover, and in some cases, even longer than that. 
Um, but within six months, they'd recovered. And I said at the time, I think part of the reason why more people didn't panic and sell was just because everything bounced back so quickly, they didn't even have time to panic. You know, the the time that it takes for a lot of people who don't look at it every day, but they wait until they get their end-of-month statements or end-of-quarter statements, by the time they were getting those statements, everything had started to bounce back. So someone who would have panicked if it extended for a couple more months, basically it had bounced back before they had the chance to panic there. That's a great point, which I never thought about only because I, you and I look at it every single day, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, what does this all mean for you and what does this mean going forward? Well, if you've worked with us over the past several years, uh, you've heard us talk about our expectations for returns going forward. And when we talk about expectations for returns, I kind of break things down and talk about stocks and bonds and, and, you know, what we expect in there. And actually, this really dovetails pretty nicely, Dave, with what I was going to segment into, which is um, J.P. Morgan puts out these reports. I forget what this one's called. It's called Long-Term Capital Market Assumptions. And it's a 136-page report. So I'm going to read through all 136 pages now kidding not going to do that to you that would be a lot of fun for me not not as much fun for everybody else out there uh, but I, I pulled out just a couple of pages that I thought were interesting so one is this page where they have a comparison between a balanced portfolio today versus the return assumptions that they were using for a balanced portfolio back in 2007. And the big difference that you see here is back in 2007, you know, prior to the 2008 crisis, you were looking at a balanced portfolio return assumption somewhere in that, you know, 7 to 8% range. And that sort of made sense. You know, if we think about stocks getting us 9 or 10% and bonds getting us 5 or 6%, a balanced portfolio, depending on how heavily we're weighted one way or the other, is going to get us in that 7 to 8% range. And now when we take a look at the return assumptions for a balanced portfolio, now we're talking about more in the 4 to 5% range, right? I really should say between 4 and 6%. And, you know, what really has changed here? Well, there's two big factors that have changed. One, the easiest one to talk about, is interest rates on bonds. You know, let's think back to what were money markets returning in 2007. I remember my money market account getting me five, five and a quarter percent return. Yeah. That was, that was pretty nice. I had my, <laughs> my liquid cash there, and I was still getting five, five and a quarter percent return. What are money market accounts returning now? Uh, <laughs> 0.005 or somewhere in that category. Right. So you're the and you the you know I say that to say that that extends to the bond portions of the portfolio, where you know bonds just aren't going to get you five or six percent. 
you know, your bonds are going to get you one, two percent, yeah, maybe three percent if you're going to take a little bit of risk in there. Um, so that portion of the return is changed. And then on the stock side of things, you know, you can talk to and listen to a variety of different experts, you know, whether it's JP Morgan or Goldman Sachs puts out a report, Vanguard's got one, where they look at equity returns over the next decade. And almost all of them are in the six to eight percent range for stock returns. Now, let me remind you again what I just told you that the 10 year returns for large cap stocks were 16.4 percent. So if we're talking six to eight percent, now of course, <laughs> these are just projections, they could be wrong, but you're talking six to eight percent, that is a considerable difference in there. And, yeah. and, and that's probably accounting for a couple losing years in there. It's just yeah. bound to be that way. It's more normal is what it is, basically. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So <laughs> the problem is we keep predicting the ride is going to end, but the ride continues. <laughs> I, I, well, mean, I would look at just one factor from the old way of looking things. Like, in fact, I think today I saw something in the news about now maybe five, four or five rate hikes this year, right. in 2022, by the Fed. I mean, normally we would look at that and say, oh, my gosh, losing year. The stock market might lose 8% this year. It might lose 12 It might lose 1%. But it's going to lose right. just because of that one factor. Now – I just won't say anything like that. Maybe for some reason that factor will be people will feel things are stabilized and they'll yeah. have more confidence. Um, but if you just look at that one factor alone and you look at the bull market that we've had, you would think, hmm, maybe this would be a down year. But ultimately the main thing is how you deal with it. It still comes down to, you know, how people deal with this stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think people deal with things, the more I think about, the more I think regular person who doesn't worry about this every day or look at anything or hardly knows the difference between a mutual fund and, you know, hey, we have plenty of people who call their IRA is like an actual investment, as if yeah. it were like Apple, IRA, <laughs> whatever. So, well, people, so people will ask sort of <laughs> the classic question, they go, well, what, what are IRAs returning? this year right. and you go well i know yeah. i know you don't you know, know. yeah i know what they mean i know what you mean um yeah i think they basically look at there's no place to put my money there's no other place i can't go to the bank and or get a cd for five percent yeah or even four percent you know so there's no other place to put my money so fixed accounts, things that are safe that would get a percentage like a CD, like other fixed investments, are not doing it. So that's what I'm going to do. I, I think that's just – I think that's how they look at it. Until the other investments provide something, until something that's perceived as safe provides a decent return in the mind of a conservative investor, by decent I would say at least 3 three to 5% or something like that, yeah. Then I don't know if this will be affected too much. No, I, I'm starting to think that that's what it's going down to the average people who could. The one thing about rising interest rates, if they actually were to rise, is just what you said. 
I had a CD back, in, you know, before the financial crisis or whatever, and 10 years ago or whatever, and it was 5%. Until we get to that, I don't know. Well, I, I think you're you're dead on correct. I mean, I, I think the Federal Reserve, you know, their policy and how much they increase interest rates and how quickly they uh, stop these bond purchases, you know, the tapering, I I feel like that is the biggest factor. And if you do have a year where, you know, rates go up four or five times and tapering is, is pretty aggressive there, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to have a down year in the market. Um, but I, I think the important thing with any planning is that we're not betting on that. We're not basing large decisions on that being correct, because hopefully what I think all of us need to learn or have learned is that there are so many other factors out there that your reasoning, your rationale can be dead on correct. You know, maybe my rationale that I just laid out there about Fed policy, but there are so many other factors out there that I I could still get the end result wrong. You know, so Fed raises rates, they taper aggressively. Somehow the stock market is still up you know, big time next year. I, you know, I, I don't know what that scenario looks like, but I've been around long enough to know that, you know, it certainly could play out. You know, there's nothing yeah. guaranteed, um, you know, just because I think something will happen there. Yeah, I and, think from the work we do, I mean, if we're just going to cut back to, you know, the work we have, a lot of our clients listen to this podcast, they already know what we do. But if we were meeting a new client, um you know, it still boils down to how are you, you got to look at it. You got to put something together that says if things keep going up, you're yep. going to win. And here's why. But if things go down, you're still going to be okay. Right. In a sense, you'll win because you'll feel good that you put this thing together, this plan to deal with it also going down. I, I think the things that are where people who do what we do, we don't do enough commercials for ourselves in these podcasts. And if you know someone... <laughs> who's interested in something we do, why don't you send them to our website at capitalretirement.com, capital with an O, because a long time ago when Steve and I did capital retirement strategies back 12 years ago or 13 years ago, whenever we started this, we could have been capital retirement strategies with an A, except that would have cost $10,000. So being good financial planners, we were capital retirement strategies with an O, that cost Not because a, we live in Washington, D.C., but that cost, I believe, a dollar. <laughs> I think it was $18, but all right. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, still a anyway, very sound financial decision. But anyway, so, yeah, so if, if someone's coming to us and, and they've been referred to us or they come to us, you know, I would be – my feeling is when you're on autopilot and you're at 60 years old or you're going to be retiring soon or the people we tend to meet and you're all in on stocks because you've been all in on stocks and it's been doing great, you're not really prepared. And it's especially dangerous if you don't have a pension. Right. It's been doing great because what I see from people we meet like that is that you are, because of how things have gone, regardless of what your financial planning was, you're in a position now to be okay when you retire. We can put this thing together to make sure you have enough income to live on or a reasonable amount to live on, 
and to organize things and to still have growth and all that stuff if you do the right thing. But if you just let it go, you don't know what's going to happen, and you could be out of that position. And then looking back in hindsight and saying, I should have done something. Yeah, And that's always the danger around times like these. And it's frustrating to me because you had the opportunity. You had enough money because of what's already happened to then just go ahead and put the plan together. It's like it's basically like you're uh, in a football game. Okay, you're up. There's six minutes left in the fourth quarter, and you're winning 27 to 10. (laughs) All you got to do is play this out the right way, put it together the right way. And you're going to be okay, but instead you just didn't do that. You fumbled twice and threw two interceptions, and you end up losing 28-27. Why? Right. You just you, you're in the end of the fourth quarter, and you didn't finish the game off. And that's where I feel like some people are at going into the retirement years, just sort of letting things go because things have been so good in the past. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to you know, put it more concretely, you know, we're always playing out these scenarios to say, you know, I, I can go through all of these reasons of why the market might go up or why the market might go down, blah, blah, blah. But we're always playing out this scenario that if the market went down and now it doesn't recover for several years, which has certainly happened before, where are we going to get money from? You know, we don't want to have to pull from stocks when they're down 30%. You know, I, I hope everybody has a fundamental understanding that that's not the right thing to do. So where are we going to pull money from? Do we have a big pension like you mentioned there? Well, that's great. If you've got a pension that covers all your expenses, you can afford to be as risky as you want. If you don't have a pension that covers all your expenses, now we do need to hold things like those bonds and annuities and things that have guarantees or protection to them. Yeah, you should, we should also point out you have that huge pension, or a lot of our clients have two huge pensions, plus Social Security. Not only can you afford to be as risky as you want, you can also afford to be as conservative as you want. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point because you, there's no pressure on your assets to say, wow, if Dave doesn't get 5%, he's not going to be able to you know, retire or whatever. If you've got those, those, that big pension, the big guaranteed income there, Man, you've got maximum flexibility. You 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 know, you can afford to be risky, you can afford to be conservative. You can do whatever feels good. When you don't have that huge pension, now you've got to certainly do a little bit more planning there. Say, okay, I gotta make sure I have enough to ride out those ups and downs. All right, Dave, let's let's end things there. I think that was okay. a a good place to stop there, review of 2021, review of the last 10 years. We talked about assumptions for returns going forward. We talked about things that could go well next year or poorly next year. This is a really good, really good start of the year 2022 podcast. We actually did this right by the podcast formula. Exactly. You know what? Pat, and we're ending weeks. it at the right time. My dog is barking like crazy at another all right. dog. Well, you, what my dog does all the time, which is saying basically, it's time to end the podcast. <laughs> I can't even hear it, but go ahead and let Oshi out or whatever you need to do with him, and we will There's check I can in. Do. He just barks at another dog like like he's never seen another dog. I wish humans <laughs> were like. I wish I'm about to have a turkey breast sandwich like it was always my first turkey breast sandwich ever. <laughs> 
Oh, the life of a dog. All right, we will check back in again next month.